We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello and welcome back to Rotoviz Overtime on Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by Blue Wire. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland, and I am joined, as always, by Sean Siegel, my co-host here on the podcast. Sean, we are getting very close to the NFL season. We are into August. It is moving quicker and quicker. The news is getting faster and faster, but it's going to be a very fun time here. As we're going to get some preseason games coming up, we're going to get lots of news coming our way. Unfortunately, there'll be some injuries sprinkled in there as well, but we'll react to those. We'll try and make the best of it with our fantasy rosters throughout that but today we are going to talk a little bit of dynasty and you did recent drafts with matt jones and pat corinne and we're going to talk through some of the scenarios there because some people might be putting the final touches on those dynasty rosters but some people may also be thinking we're getting close to the season i want to dip my feet in one more time and get one more dynasty team set up here so we're going to talk through some of your recent drafts so exciting times but we're ready to roll here we are. And as we get close to the season, it's time for that second wave of dynasty startups. Obviously, there's a lot of excitement around dynasty right after the NFL draft, where there are a lot of rookie drafts and there are a lot of new startups. We also have startups going now as fantasy managers, especially ones who maybe aren't as involved all year long, are jumping back in. You can fill out that league with your college buddies, with your work friends. And from that perspective, I mean, this is just the perfect time to draft. We obviously draft a lot over at the Rotoviz Triflex League format with the FFPC. They have drafts going off uh, in their lobby. We had a cool article the other day from Bjorn Yang Barnett about how to approach rounds six through nine as he does a round by round breakdown of a Rotoviz Triflex dynasty startup. Curtis Patrick has his newest trade diary up on the site. Obviously, Curtis, one of the biggest names and most important minds in the Dynasty community. He's going to be shifting those prices for you and really dictating how a lot of fantasy managers play. So you want to check in to see what he has going there. I recently did a couple of teams, one with Pat, one with Matt Jones, and these were a lot of fun, a little bit about them on the site. But one of the things that was cool about these leagues is just how different they were, right? I had the 103 with Pat, had the 111 with Matt Jones. We uh, 
had very different trade cultures in these two leagues. In the one with Pat, I labeled it as fast and furious. In the one with Matt, I labeled it as slow and skeptical. We also had a very different draft culture where in the 1250 entry fee league, it really seemed like teams were trying to build a dynasty and you got more of the emphasis on the young players. Whereas in the 250 entry fee league, and again, this is one of the great things about these formats over there at the FFPC, you can sign up for the level that makes sense to you starting all the way at the $77, which is a nice jump in. If you haven't done a dynasty league before the draft culture in that one was more win now. And so the first article that I did, this is actually the fourth piece that just came out within the last week. So part four of looking at these startups, but discussing how these teams were different and how what you do early on is so important because you can't just take the same plan into every draft right? 2022 is going to be different than 2021. One of the things that we do see a lot is that those 2023 first round picks, which obviously are a big factor in startups, some managers trading them, some managers uh, trying to trade for them and hoard them and have that uh, 2023 rookie draft really be the foundation of their team in the future. Those picks are quite expensive. You're going to have some drafts, like I said, that have different draft slot, a different trade culture, a different draft culture, and you can't approach them all the same. So part three kind of looked at that and how you build that flexibility column. The most recent one looks at the concept here of what's the fastest way to punt league year one, right? So we're probably not going to be competitive in year one, but you want to win faster, win bigger than any sort of approach where you're trading for those 2023 first round picks. Now, we know that there are going to be a lot of prospects in that draft that right now look very, very appealing. You might have six to eight players who are as good or better than, at the very least, the 102. I'm very high on Brees Hall. I think he would have done uh, very well in next year's draft also. But maybe the next six to eight players, if they were in this draft, would have gone in that next range, you have much more talented quarterbacks. You have much more depth at the running back position. So acquiring those 2023 first round picks is a big deal. And yet, especially if you're in a startup and opposing managers are asking for picks in the range where you can land clear superstar players now, I mean, you're, you're essentially giving up a lot to more or less just postpone being good. I mean, if you have to pay that much to get a 2023 first rounder, you're not actually generating XX value. You're just waiting. And so is there a win bigger, win faster approach to these drafts? If you find yourself in that kind of startup, I think that there is. Yeah, so it's about as well striking that balance. What we do see at every single year, but this particular year coming into 2022, if we look back to 2021, people were kind of, projecting this as maybe not the strongest class trading off those picks trying to get into 2023 already at that point we are seeing from the 2022 class as training camps are happening here as the even the conversation around from the dynasty drafts happened about is that a little bit too high of a rookie draft pick to be paying on a certain player let's say sky Moore, his value continues to ascend here so there's always players as well that will surprise us there will be changes in the projections for that draft versus what we have now but looks like a, a deeper class more more talent coming in so 
excited for 2023 already but sean you didn't want to give up all the value for 2023 the key i want to say here is i can see in the article the start you know that you've had on both teams the draft with pat Cray and the draft with matt jones the key seems to be after the pushback that we've got the key seems to be to, to draft kyle pitts again <laughs> that is one of the keys and when we look at those first round selections one of the earliest articles in the series on this particular contrast between the two leagues is that you have to execute that first round you have to select as many players as you can from the first tier pat and i were able to get both justin herbert and kyle pitts matt and i were only able to get pitts and we had to trade up from the 111 to the 110 to accomplish that once we did we felt much more secure in terms of how we were going to start this draft pitts a big tier break up from the player that you can get at 111 now you can look at the dynasty adp tool on the site and see that pitts does fall beyond 110 occasionally but in the drafts that i've been doing there's such a clear tier break it never looked like there was any chance that he was going to fall past that slot again because that tier break is so clear so we have some of those things put in place and then matt and i select christian mccaffrey we make some trades we select travis Etienne. we make some more trades and then this is the point where because we have that foundation and again how to do that is in one of the previous lessons but now we're going to look here at specifically in these middle rounds and in these rounds that are still very high leverage how do you build this team that for year two is going to be an absolute juggernaut and the contrast between the two leagues was pretty significant. We had two or three RV readers and uh, overtime and ceiling bananas listeners in the league with Pat. Probably not as much of that in the one with Matt Jones. And so we get there and, and we see very different values on the young wide receivers. Now we think back to, okay, well, why is this rookie class continue, considered to be weak? It's because of the lack of depth or really any players basically at quarterback and then the lack of depth at running back the receivers are still fairly strong now are these guys going to be the next justin jefferson or jamar chase probably not right but one of the things that we can see here is that those aren't the only two guys over the last three seasons who put up big numbers as rookies you have players like jalen waddle brandon Ayuk, terry mclaurin aj brown chase claypool cd lamb Debo samuel amon Ra. T. Higgins, Elijah Moore, DK Metcalf, Devontae Smith. So 2019, 2020, 2021, we're getting this accelerating contribution from the top rookie wide receivers. If you look at the players available in this draft, we have plenty of prospects who are comparable to more or less all of those guys other than Chase. And the best way to build this dynasty when we're looking at not only the position that holds value, but the players that you might get values on especially again if you're going to play a league like the rv triflex format or anything that's similar one of the reasons why the rv triflex is set up the way that it is is to mimic basically the most popular formats that are out there right now right so it's super flex you can play that second qb it has two running backs and three wide receivers and then a couple more flexes and so you can play those five wide receivers or even in you know some cases six if you for whatever reason didn't have a qb that week to play in the super flex it also has tight end premium and so those tight ends are very valuable as they're viable flex options as well 
A lot of formats out there playing that way. You can use the Triflex ADP to get a sense of how managers are approaching this type of league. But Colin, as we look at this, the fun thing for Matt and I in this draft is that we were able to get some pretty crazy prices relative to the other draft and relative to ADP. And so we just went through and basically selected all rookie right receivers, right? All of them, took them all. The uh, the thing I want to say about this piece is, Sean, it is a question that comes in very frequently is when you're using Sean's rankings on the website, you know, how do you not just draft this player in every single draft? And something that you've done here with these particular picks across the drafts is you have said, you know, the cost in the league with Matt Jones, the cost in the league with Pat Corain for where they were drafted, the current draft ADP, and then your rank on them. And you can see pretty much your rank on these players that most of them you've got one to two rounds after ADP throughout but you mentioned specifically the draft capital used in Matt Jones's league with you versus Pat's, and there's a big difference there in how rookies were being targeted. You know, for the we talk about the the trade windows, career projections, how these players play out over the course of it. Getting these younger guys in year one, year two, even if things don't play out exactly, we see it players who have yet to break out in the NFL that still have significant dynasty trade value for making those trades so you take trail on works jameson williams sky Moore, jahan dodson david bell trey mcbride wendell robinson and take one thornton this feels like the guys is you know people listening to the show will know we're drafting these guys in all our best ball leagues as well we'll be drafting plenty of them when it comes to uh, the season long and redraft formats as well but really strong values you know trail on works you get him almost around after he goes in the, the league with Pat Corrine. You get him seven picks after current ADP. But using him as the example, you get him at the 508. Your rank is the 302. So you're getting him at two and a half rounds after where you would be willing to take him at that point. So this is why Sean doesn't have 100% of trail on works. He is trying to get those values as well. And it can be with the roster construction at who is available at the 302. And maybe you do a trade where that third round pick has been moved on at some point as well. Uh, Jamison Williams, similar 303 in Sean's rankings, goes at the 510 in this, but that's seven picks after we see it going in and Pat's draft. The one thing I was going to ask Sean in terms of the the variance, and pretty much every single one of these players is going outside of take one Thornton goes one pick earlier to you in the draft with Matt Jones uh, at 1603, goes at the 1604 in the league with Pat. Outside of that, all of these guys go off the board pretty much eight to 14 picks later in the, the draft with Matt Jones. I know you mentioned the stakes in terms of one being a $250 entry and the other one I think you said was $1250. Any other reasons you think that there was such a different dynamic? Do you think maybe it is just the the core drafters maybe having similar principles to what, what you and Pat maybe are trying to implement and then what you and Matt Jones were trying to implement, you didn't have as many trying to to get those young guys, get the, the rookies in early on their teams? One thing that we do see is it only takes a couple of other drafters to create prices in your league that maybe don't work very well for you one of the things that was tricky in the league with pat was that these guys were going ahead of adp and so we would need to try and decide how much before adp we we would want to reach now that team turned out very well i think that you were joking or, or ben was joking that when he posted our team, people weren't sure how we had managed to get that all in, in one startup. And so having these rookie wide receivers go early didn't necessarily destroy what we wanted to do. It just made us rethink exactly how we wanted to approach it. Because as you mentioned, there's a big gap between 
ADP in my rankings. And so even if the players are going a little bit ahead of ADP, there's still quite a bit of ranking value there. The tricky part is just that you're obviously not going to get as many of those rookie wide receivers, or it may not be as much of the emphasis as you go through the draft. You may be trying to move back in certain places and then get the specific fallers in that league. And maybe the fallers are second year wide receivers or third year wide receivers. The league that I did with Pat, because we were able to get Justin Herbert and Kyle Pitts to start and then made some moves as we went along to where we ended up with Brees Hall and Jamar Chase. You know, once we had three of the top 10 players, then you're not necessarily suddenly shifting to the all in or the win now. We talk so much on the show about perpetual reloading and the permanent championship window. We're still looking at players where we can draft them, acquire them, trade for them, and play them for several years and then trade them a peak value. But we might have a little bit less of an interest in a Jamison Williams, for example, a Jahan Dotson, maybe a David Bell, guys who are probably not going to have a huge impact on 2022. But getting similar players in similar ranges to where the value is still good and they're young, they're going to produce this season. In the league with Matt, some of those guys were more expensive and so few managers were really willing to make big moves in trades. Everybody's sitting there and trying to move down just a tiny little bit and these rookies continue to fall and continue to fall and continue to fall. So one of the things that Matt and I did is somewhat unusual But because the prices to trade up a little bit were not exorbitant, then if you get to within a couple of spots of a Burks or a Williams or a Moore being to your pick and around below where you were seeing them elsewhere and also maybe two rounds below where you have them ranked, then at that point it makes sense to pay you know, whatever the small cost is to move up. And so we talk so much about trading down and how trading down in a startup is like having a superpower. But if the league is more or less locked and people aren't moving, but then they're taking some of these veteran values and you can see that in some ways, maybe the frustration of the gridlock is getting managers to more aggressively go for a team that they can win with right away, you know, either to show the other managers or because, uh, They don't think that they can execute the same kind of trade down or sell punt type of move. You don't feel like punting is going to be efficient, then you may go after a little bit more of a veteran play. And I think that we saw the league evolve in that direction. And so Matt and I continued to try and grab these rookies. And it became clear kind of as we went along that really just there were no other managers in the league that value them nearly to the way that we do. And so from that perspective, it became very easy. Now, you look at having all these guys, you say, well, I mean, Sean, your rankings just, I mean, if they're off by as much as you're saying, or the value is as large as you're saying, then probably the rankings themselves are just wrong. And they may not work perfectly for everyone. And as you mentioned earlier, I'm not necessarily suggesting you pay those prices but you do want to know that even though you're not going to pay way above market for a trail on Burks or Jameson Williams, I think it's still very valuable to know that's actually what the value is. And if you can make moves at the market 
for those guys, then you're going to come out way ahead in the medium term and then definitely in the long term. And it's not to say that you're going to come out way ahead on every single player. But one of the things that you mentioned is that we see these rookie wide receivers, and even when they don't necessarily hit, they still maintain their trade value. But if they hit? Well, but if they hit, then, I mean, you, you've hit the jackpot, you've won the lottery, and you're going to win your league. But even if you miss, you're looking at guys like Rashad Bateman and Rondell Moore. Connor just had a cool article on Moore recently for the site. I'm taking a lot of Bateman because those guys have the profiles. And so you have this window to where you can miss – and you still have the potential for the second year breakout, but that also you can miss and you can manage your shares of those players. You can get a little bit lighter on the ones that maybe you're not as confident in. You can double down perhaps on the ones that you think now have actually gotten too inexpensive. So you have a lot of different ways to play that. But one of the things I really like here is that with this team, obviously we were able to select three receivers who are drafted in the first round we were able to add sky Moore, david bell wondell robinson three guys who have great peripherals i mentioned the random forest model that blair did uh, pre-draft looking at these prospects and we have traylon burks drake london sky Moore at the top you also have jalen tolbert getting in there he was really the one guy that we missed on in this draft in order in, in terms of being able to get him i mean obviously you only have so many picks uh, but then David Bell and Wondell Robinson. So three first rounders, but then also three guys in Moore, Bell, and Robinson who were among the best and possibly most undervalued prospects. But then especially once they all went into situations that seemed pretty positive. Obviously, Moore is with the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes. Wondell Robinson is into the situation with the Giants where he was actually selected earlier than I think people expected. And he's in this offense to where the head coach, as we kind of move through time, there's a lot of enthusiasm there. Maybe it works this year right away with Daniel Jones. Maybe it doesn't, but then you have more opportunity in the future. He's also in a situation where the other wide receivers are pretty underwhelming. And so if Wandale becomes the guy instead of Kadarius Tony pretty quickly, then you have a huge win there. He's obviously been generating pretty serious buzz in training camp, which is encouraging for those of us who have him in almost every league and every format and then david bell obviously falls to the 99th pick but the browns go out of their way to point out that they think that he's the next jarvis landry which again just follows along with so much of the research that you would have seen not just a rotoviz but kind of across the dynasty and devi communities there he had a fantastic off season and then has missed a few training camp practices which again, I mean, this is a buying window for someone like him. You had a buying window for Trey Lawn Burst. One of the things that you see, and it's not always the case of, oh, well, you know, we got this great uh, value relative to ADP. And then you look back at ADP a couple of weeks later and you're like, well, you know, we, we got what was the value theoretically at the time, but it was in the middle of this crash that the player had. And he ended up actually sliding back to that as being the value. That can be good or bad. I mean, it, basically, if the real value is still much higher, one of the things that's happened now is that after sliding in every format all through the summer because of the conditioning and the asthma issues, Traylon Burks is off to a good start in Titans camp. And suddenly it's like, oh, yeah, I mean, this is the guy who was a superstar at Arkansas. And there's very little competition for touches or targets with the Titans. Now, it's not clear yet that he's necessarily even worked his way up to being among the top two guys but that's inevitable with his talent level as training camp and as the preseason evolves so if you're still out there and your league or your format 
is giving you a price that works on Burks. Make sure you get out there and get him. But then, Colin, in order to kind of back up this idea that punting through selecting rookie wide receivers who are undervalued, in part because they're kind of being painted with the same brush as the rest of the prospects from their class, and it's kind of irrelevant that this is a bad class because if you're in a rookie draft, there's no depth because of running back and QB. If the wide receivers are still very viable, then those guys have value. They're also the players that we expect to see this big leap in in year two. I talked about the second year leap from Blair's research. Talked about how these players hold values looking at Patrick Corain's research on wide receiver trade value and that really rookie wide receivers are the group out of any group that you can draft that is going to hold trade value for you. So again, we talk about how can you punt and be in a situation where the overall trade value of your roster is ascending. And yet then when you hit year two, not only is your roster ascending in trade value, but you've got guys who are ready to go and ready to win now at that point. Also some more info in there from Blair about what types of rookie wide receivers you want to draft. And again, why players like Williams and Robinson and Bell were among our key targets that these young rookie wide receivers have so much value as we jump forward. And then in addition to that column, there were a few other young players that we were able to add who I think round out this, this team nicely. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Yeah, so looking at those, and these are guys that 
no surprise listening to the show that we like. So Devontae Smith is in there. Get him again. No surprise. Two rounds after where you would have him ranked in terms of your rankings. The one here, Sean, that there's a lot of conversation, not as much on our show, but on Stealing Bananas quite often is Mac Jones. You get him below ADP. The one that's interesting to me is Gabriel Davis, who we've talked about consistently that his dynasty value seems to be less than his redraft value. You get him at the 803, which I think is significant. Like if he has the season that redrafter and best ball drafters are expecting him to have, there is no way that he's an eighth round selection heading into the 2023 season. And then you mentioned that you had taken Christian McCaffrey. You did trade him then for Jalen Hurts. So the roster through those 15 rounds is Jalen Hurts and Mac Jones. It is, as you mentioned, the Superflex League. Running back may need some work, Sean. You have Travis Etienne. That is your this is a one running back strategy that Sean has created here for 2022. And then the wide receivers are where it's obviously at with Traylon Burks, Jamison Williams, Devontae Smith, Skymore, Gabriel Davis, Jahan Dodson, David Bell, Wandale Robinson. Tight end is Kyle Pitts and Trey McBride. And fun note, Sean and Trey McBride. We've done a lot of talk about TJ Hawkinson this offseason. Over at the FFPC, my most drafted players are co-percentage-wise Trey McBride and TJ Hawkinson. So keep keep banging that drum for Trey McBride as we get closer to the season here. But anything else you want to wrap up with i would again urge everyone who's listening in to head on over there's much more information in this article than we have discussed on the show but it will be linked in today's show notes but sean as we wrap it up here anything that you want to to add in to tie it in a bow this is such a fun format and i had such a great time drafting these teams with patrick crane and matt jones this is the team through 15 rounds we did have eight picks in the last five rounds so a number of different options for filling this team out, adding to that running back position, getting that third QB, drafting players like Julio Jones, we would expect to rise, not surprisingly, a couple of weeks after we made the Jones pick, he ends up with the Buccaneers, which gives us some firepower to potentially win in this season if we go that route. One of the things that is so cool about the Rotoviz Triflex Leagues is that there is a backdraw during the fantasy playoffs the two teams with the worst record or the worst number of victory points do get by so the worst that they can do in terms of next year's draft is the 103 and 104 i think that that's pretty fair at the same time if you miss the playoffs but then have a strong team you can win yourself the 101 not every format is like that but it is something where if you're listening here and probably you're at least mildly interested in playing in the Rotoviz Triflex format, make sure you consider that. One of the things that Matt and I wanted to do with this team was to build a roster that perhaps misses the playoffs this year. I don't necessarily think that we're going to be in the top six teams, although one of the things that happened with the team that Ben and I drafted last season didn't follow this exact same approach because we were able to trade down in that one, which we weren't in this. But you end up with a, a similar kind of caliber of team and that team made the playoffs, so they just ended up being too strong based on the types of players that we were going after and the fact that those players ascend during the course of the season. I mean, it's possible that this team with quarterbacks like Hertz and Jones, with running backs like Travis Etienne, you know, with those rookie wide receivers that they hit, you know, with a potential just unbelievable superstar in Pitts, I mean, it could be among the top four or five teams, especially at the end. It could make a late season push, and then you're almost kind of in that mental or emotional context where you're like i kind of want to miss because we're probably not going to win the whole thing and if we miss and then get into the backdraw 
and you win the 101, not only do you have the 101, but in this case, one of the things we talked about is you also want to maintain your R2 pick unless you feel very confident that you're going to win in the first season because then you can win the 101 and the 201. And if it's a stacked draft, then that 201 is not that dissimilar from having the 109, 110, 111 picks in that range. You have the 101 and 201, you add those players to this team, it's going to be very, very difficult to beat in any of the years going forward. Again, that doesn't mean that you're going to win them all, but you want to be into the semifinals with a bye every single season. I think that this team is set up nicely to do that. And again, the idea here is that we're building a team that's going to have ascending trade value. You go through the research, you can look on the site. I have things linked in this article and you'll see that that's very difficult to do, but this is the blueprint for it. Yeah, and I, I want to give a shout out as well to the FFPC. Just remembered when you were talking through some of the stuff there, they have this week announced that they now have over 1,000 dynasty leagues up on the, the ffpc.com. So if you are interested in playing in the Triflex leagues, you can head over to myffpc.com to find out more information. Lots of different formats they have. That's obviously we're playing best ball over there. They'll have their redraft events. But uh, yeah, so so much good work they've done in the dynasty sphere as well. That is going to do it for today's episode of the show. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Over to Marland. Of course, you can't follow. Well, you can follow Sean on Twitter, but it's it's not. We have a fun episode coming up though for the Q and A, where we do talk a little bit about Sean's Twitter. That'll be coming out over the, the next couple of weeks, so you'll want to hear that one. But you can check out all Sean's work, including what we talked about today on the show up on Rotoviz.com. It's also linked in today's show notes. But until we're back with another podcast, have a good one. Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with a discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast.